Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for today, including guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Michael Cannon, the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is March the 24th, and on this day in 1989, one of the worst oil spills in U.S. history began with a supertanker Exxon Valdez, owned and operated by Exxon Corporation, ran aground on a reef in Prince William Sound in southern Alaska. An estimated 11 million gallons of oil eventually spilled in the water. Attempts to contain the massive spill were unsuccessful, and wind and currents spread the oil more than 100 miles from its source, eventually polluting more than 700 miles of coastline. Hundreds of thousands of birds and animals were adversely affected by the environmental disaster. It was later revealed that Joseph Hazelwood, the captain of the Valdez, was drinking at the time of the accident and allowed an uncertified officer to steal the massive vessel. In uh, March 1990, Hazelwood was convicted of misdemeanor negligence, fined $50,000 in order to perform 1,000 hours of community service. In July 1992, an Alaska court overturned Hazelwood's conviction, citing a federal statute that grants freedom from prosecution to those who report an oil spill. Exxon itself was condemned by the National Transportation Board and in early 1991 agreed under pressure from environmental groups to pay a penalty of $100 million and provide $1 billion over a 10-year period of the cost of the cleanup. However, Later in the year, both Alaska and Exxon rejected the agreement, and in October 1991, the oil giant settled the matter by paying $25 million, less than 4% of the cleanup aid promised by Exxon earlier in the year. Never forget that day. Uh, 33 years ago, where does the time go? Well, stocks fell broadly on Wall Street, and crude oil prices rose sharply again well, yesterday as a wave of selling all but wiped out gains of the day before and left the S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average in the red for the week. The S&P 500 fell 1.2%. After a strong rally last week, the market has been up and down this week as investors weigh concerns about rising inflation and slower economic growth. Now that federal spending on various stimulus measures have faded away and the central bank has signaled several interest rate hikes to come this year in its battle surging inflation. Many of the higher costs incurred by businesses have been passed on to consumers and higher prices for food, clothing, and other goods could lead them to cut spending, resulting in slower economic growth. Central banks have been reacting by raising interest rates to uh, try and counter the impact from inflation. The Federal Reserve has already announced a 0.25% increase from its benchmark interest rate, and it's prepared to act more aggressively if necessary. So all this spending, and by the way, it's been cited very clearly that a lot of the spending from stimulus has gone to gone awry. It hasn't really gone to deal with the whole issue of the virus. Consequences are we're going to see massive inflation. It's too bad. What waste. Yesterday, uh, Madeline Albright's family said that she had died of cancer at the age of 84. She was born in Czechoslovakia to Jewish parents. She came to the United States in the 40s, and after her family fled Nazism and communism in Europe, in the 70s, she served on the National Security Council under the Carter administration. Then under President Bill Clinton, she was appointed U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. In 97, she became the U.S. first female Secretary of State with the support from a unanimous Senate. Just a, a real example. She did a lot of things in her life and uh, made some controversial decisions. But one thing you can be sure, you think about that background, only in America would someone come and <laughs> leave communism and Europe and Nazism and come to the United States and ended up uh, the Secretary of the State. Inspiring story. President uh, Biden is traveling to Europe today ahead of a special NATO summit with uh, other world leaders on the war in Ukraine. 
Russian troops continued to shell the strategic port city of Mariupol this week as uh, troops remained largely stalled outside of Kiev. Thousands uh, of Mariupol residents continued on Tuesday while Russia continued to bomb the, the city. A senior U.S. defense official said the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is still considering the possibility of deploying additional American troops to NATO's eastern flank in Europe. Yesterday, the Biden administration formally accused Russia of carrying out war crimes in Ukraine. It's been a month since Russia invaded Ukraine. Officials said hundreds of civilians have been killed in the southern port city of Mariupol. There are reports that uh, upwards of 80 percent of the city has been destroyed. Now, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that the U.S. will work to hold offenders accountable for deliberately targeting civilians. The U.S. plans to share this information with its allies and possibly help assist in prosecution at an international criminal court. But the U.S. has made clear whether it holds Russian, hasn't made clear whether it holds Russian President Vladimir Putin specifically responsible. And of course he is. He's the one that's making these decisions. Irrespective, it should be interesting to watch <clears throat> Biden on the international stage right now going to visit with uh, members of NATO wonder what his position will be and uh, how, how much of a leadership position he'll take. We'll see. Well, former U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr said President Joe Biden lied to the American people about Hunter Biden's infamous laptop from hell during a 2020 presidential debate in which he referred to the exposure of emails found on the laptop as a Russian plant. Speaking with America, uh, America Reports, Barr said, He was shocked and very disturbed by Biden's comments made during the 2020 presidential debate. I was very disturbed during the debate when uh, candidate Biden lied to the American people about the laptop, he said, on an appearance on Fox News. He squarely confronted with the laptop and he suggested that it was Russian disinformation and pointed to a letter written by some intelligence people that was baseless, which he knew was a lie, he said, and I was shocked by that. Barr noted that uh, during Monday's interview with the presence of the laptop and its suppression could be an example of interference in an election, but added he wouldn't want to venture on opinion on whether Biden has legal liability for his role in the laptop controversy. When asked whether the White House had a problem here in reference to the sensational laptop story, Barr said, well, I think now that you know from a political standpoint, now that this is people's consciousness, it has been suppressed up till now. Obviously, they have a hot potato, and just to see how they, they handle it will be very interesting, said Barr. Barr's comments uh, Monday come as the Hunter Biden laptop story came back into the national headlines after New York Times, which previously discredited the bombshell story, said the emails in question have been authenticated by uh, sources familiar with the matter and with the federal probe into its taxes. During the October 22, uh, 2020 debate, Trump called it the laptop from hell and suggested the emails covered implicated uh, Biden as a corrupt politician. Biden denied the laptop's legitimacy and said there are 50 former national security intelligence folks who said that he that this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. He added, they have said that this all has all the characteristics. Four or five former heads of CIA, both parties, said he's saying it's a bunch of garbage. A number of ex-intelligence officials who reviewed Hunter Biden's uh, laptop in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election dismissed its authenticity as Russian disinformation, declined to comment, and apologized to the New York Post. The New York Post reported that only five of 51 former intelligence officials stood by their comments and their public statement. The outlet from the five other others declined to comment. 39 signers didn't respond and two couldn't be contacted. When a laptop containing sensitive information and evidence of questionable business dealings was recovered by the computer repair shop in Delaware, Hunter Biden quickly became the center of a polarizing media tug of war. So this is uh, very interesting. Why is all this happening right now? Uh, why are they coming clean with the fact that we knew from the very beginning when Bobolinsky was interviewed by Tucker Carlson and all this whole story broke. It was certainly covered up by social media as well as the mainstream media. Well, after detailing on some of Hunter Biden's illicit business arrangements that came to life from the contents of the notorious laptop, Schweitzer explained his assessment of the situation to Maria Bar Bartiromo. Schweitzer, of course, wrote, caught red-handed. 
I think this New York Times piece, the fact that he got cooperation from Team Bud and probably from the crackhead Hunter Biden legal team, is an indication that they are extremely concerned that he's going to be indicted. That, according to Peter Schweitzer, it's in the federal investigation of Hunter Biden back up and running. It's very clear that when it comes to the issues related to the tax evasion and money laundering and other issues wrapped up in it, they are extremely concerned Hunter Biden's going to be indicted. And I think this article is an effort to frame the conversation in a way that could be the most favorable to them. If Schweitzer is correct, if it's about, and it's about time, Hunter and the big guy, uh, the big guy being uh, Biden, need to face the music for selling out Americans in order to pad their piggy banks. Joy Pullman from The Federalist uh, wrote a great column, and uh, she says it's painfully obvious, as it was predictable, that Joe Biden's presidency is a dumpster fire, as demonstrated by the party's destructive callousness towards children, the elderly, the poor, during their COVID lockdown frenzy, Democrats care none of these th- real-world results of their policies. Uh, but they do care about polling, and Joe Biden's is abysmal. According to even heavily politicized polls, Biden is at least performing as badly as Donald Trump. Biden is between the third and fifth most ratings underwater president ever in American history at this point in his first term. Biden, of course, has the advantage of a wildly favorable press and social media monopoly, while Trump has had a strong headwind of a wildly negative one. The factors obscured for many uh, American voters actions that easily demonstrated long before the election that Biden was unfit for the presidency. And now he's president, however, and very publicly bungling essentially every major issue all the way up to the United States national security Biden's weakness and incompetence have been impossible for the corrupt media to enter to entirely cover up. Biden's appalling withdrawal from Afghanistan may have been the first major blow to public confidence in his governing ability, and it's been followed by blow after blow. The repercussions of ending U.S. energy independence, historic inflation caused by massive government spending, aggression by America's foreign foes, a tacitly open border with human trafficking of historic proportions, not to mention fueling America's legalized mass killings of unborn infants and forcing schools to inflict gender dysphoria on children in their care. So yes, the polls look bad. That's why Democrats' officials suddenly switched away from their COVID mania, uh, lifting mask mandates in blue states, ending the daily falsified body counts on TVs and newspapers, and jumping immediately into European war hysteria. But that's not been enough to turn those polls around. Historic indicators presently suggest a red wave in the upcoming midterms. That brings us to the New York Times' recent limited hangout. It's highly suspicious, very late acknowledgement that, hey, the laptop containing evidence that Joe Biden is just as corrupt as his son, Hunter Biden, told Russian prostitutes that uh, laptop is real and so is the data. Uh, Yes, the United States' top foreign adversaries likely have blackmail material on the United States president and likely paid him some very big bribes. And, oh yes, Twitter and Facebook did use their global communications monopolies to rig the election for Joe Biden by hiding this information. Why would the New York Times do this and uh, Facebook and Twitter and not ban the information released just like they did before? Well, one explanation is hierarchy reinforcement. Uh, on Monday, after reforcing their minions to wear masks, the ridiculously belated laptop confirmation also equals the ruling class flexing their power to say they won't allow their political opponents to, to say. There's another explanation, though, is that Joe Biden is no longer useful to the ruling class. After being used to win an election, he's now making it impossible for them to credibly foist on Americans, the idea that his party could win another one with him at the masthead. The donkey is showing through the lion's skin, and so they need a new donkey. And who do they have to turn to? Kamala Harris. They really made their own bed, and now they got to sleep in it. Thank you very much for that contribution from The Federalist. I think it's an outstanding point that uh, she has made, Joy Pullman, in this column. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Uh, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And I hope you'll check it out. You can download the app and get more, more information by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization. It's the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a... Uh... A, a grassroots group here in Florida, a coalition of well over 100 different groups and 110,000 plus people and growing. Uh, we focus on K through 12 education. Um, we're very involved in the legislative uh, cycle that just finished. And uh, we also fight the indoctrination that's going on in our schools, including the critical race theory and the pornography. Great organization, and uh, it's been around for a decade and uh, have tremendous influence right now in improving the quality of education, public education here in the state of Florida. So, Keith, I understand you got some good news yesterday. Well, actually, we, we got it late last week, but last uh, yesterday, the Epic Times just picked it up and did a, a major article on it. Um, by way of background, uh, four years ago, Florida Citizens Alliance and three parents filed a lawsuit against the Collier County School Board uh, on several counts, um, two of which were violations of the Sunshine Law. Uh, last September, the Second Court of Appeals um, decided in our favor, and uh, and and w- which would have required the Collier County School Board. Uh, to redo all of their textbooks, uh, committee reviews from four years ago, and possibly everyone since then, because they're still using the same process. Well, last week, um, late last week, the Florida Supreme Court uh, denied uh, Collier County School Board's uh, appeal to hear the case, and uh, so we won. Congratulations. big deal. It is a big deal. So uh, what are the ramifications? Are they going to have to repurchase textbooks? Are they going to have to collect the ones that they they bought four years ago? Well, uh, so when the Supreme Court refused to take the case, it now comes back to the local judge 
the judge who uh, actually made the original appealing that uh, um, opinion that was overruled um, is no longer there. So there's a new judge, and she's going to have to uh, decide what the, the the enforcement and the penalties are. Hmm. Uh, but our lawyer, uh, um, Brent Leoki, has filed several motions. Uh, one of which would be to require that the school district uh, remove those textbooks and and redo starting immediately uh, the whole adoption process over in the sunshine. Uh, the beauty of that is that uh, there's been some really good laws passed since four years ago. Um, we didn't call it critical race theory four years ago, but it's the same basic uh, concepts. And so, um, you know, uh, State Board of Education rule last summer, and now the, the bill the governor will sign in the next week or so on House Bill 7, uh, which is the non-discrimination bill, will be huge impacts on the adoption of new textbooks. So it's really, and by the way, this is, uh, every county in Florida that, that adopts textbooks using a committee are likely to have violated the Sunshine Law. Wow. Because of, we, we, we know for a fact that's happened in Indian River, uh, but we're going to be asking our teams across the state to do some homework. And my guess is it's pretty rampant, but we'll have to see. Wow, this is just great news, and congratulations to you. This is quite a victory, Keith, for uh, you and the Florida Citizens Alliance. And uh, I, I think now the school boards are going to have to start paying attention to how things are done, and uh, especially the Sunshine Law when it comes to choosing textbooks. So big victory for the Florida Citizen Alliance. Citizens Alliance. Congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely. I understand that you had a, a meeting with the governor. Yeah, uh, well, we had our big gala event that uh, I think you're, you and your listeners may be aware of on March 9th, and we intended to give the governor uh, an award, uh, the Bob Nagley Excellence in Education Award for all of his leadership in education, and it, at the last minute he couldn't come uh, uh -huh. because of session. Uh, so, uh, and, and I think you know Father Orsi. Father Orsi accepted the award on his behalf, but last night uh, the governor was at a, a major event up in Lee County, and we arranged to privately present our team presented uh, that award to him in person. And Father Orsi was there, uh, which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it turned out to be uh, an opportunity to touch, you know, to physically touch base with the governor and thank him for everything he's done for education here in Florida. Yeah. And did he make any comments about education, public education? And what was... Oh, he did uh, during his speech at the event. Yeah, for sure. He went through a number of. Uh, of aspects of education. Uh, he had a lot of other highlights because he's been doing a great job on multiple fronts, but yeah, you know, he certainly did uh, uh, talk to, uh, you know, to, 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 to what, what he did on the masks, the, the vaccines, the special session, what he did on common, getting rid of Common Core. I mean, there's just a whole host of things uh, that the governor's uh, led on re regarding schools. So that's been terrific. Now, I know that he's been on a uh, uh, tour with uh, a farewell tour with uh, Commissioner Cochran, uh, who's been the Commissioner of Education. So uh, I think that he's having, and of course, this $800 million of additional uh, money that for uh, giving raises to teachers here in Florida is a big deal as well. So these are all positive developments for uh, for public education. Yeah, he told us uh, that tomorrow uh, he's going to be in Volusia County. Um, he will sign uh, tomorrow uh, and do a press conference on uh, Education House Bill 1467, uh, which is uh, just reinforces much of what we've been working on. So it's a good bill. And uh, then he said next week uh, he will be signing 1557, which your listeners will uh, remember as the parental rights in education, which the left has dubbed the don't say gay bill. So <laughs> yeah. um, all, uh, all good stuff. Now, all good stuff indeed. And again, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance just making great contributions to improving public education and pu a school choice. Uh, here in Florida, I encourage you to make a contribution. Visit the website, goflca.com, goflca.com. By the way, Keith, I don't know if you are aware that uh, Erica Donalds was on Tucker Carlson's show last night. And, no, uh, actually, I did. I wasn't. She was the MC for the event uh, uh, up in uh, 
Fort Myers, and she stepped away, and and uh, Byron built, filled in for for a few minutes. So that must have been what she had stepped out to do. Yeah, it was great. She got an invitation to a spouse's uh, uh, soiree at the uh, White House from Jill Biden, and oh. she, she was told if you're not vaccinated, you you have to wear a mask. You can't eat or drink anything. You, you have to stay six feet in front of other people. So she was talking about the invitation and her response to it with Tucker Carlson. It was about a five minute interview. It was really terrific. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, so no, she's, that's cool. That is very cool indeed. Uh, again, goflca.com is the uh, website for the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Take care and have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Invisible Hand is now playing at Gulf Shore Playhouse. It's getting a nice review at the uh, uh, Naples Daily News. Tickets are only $45 to $80 a piece, and it's running through the April 16th uh, with previews uh, tonight and tomorrow night. I hope you take a look at uh, getting some tickets at golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. A lot of people like to say that we are, uh, we agree with the left on personal freedoms and agree with the right on economic freedoms. I don't like defining our libertarian political philosophy in terms of inconsistent political philosophies that don't stand up for freedom in all areas. So I prefer to say that the left talks like libertarians when it comes to personal freedoms, but when it comes to economic freedoms, they're authoritarian. And the reverse is true for the right. They talk a good game. They talk a libertarian game when it comes to economic freedom, but when it comes to personal freedoms, they are you know, I think that's a great observation. The fact of the matter is, I have not seen anything uh, in terms of personal liberties and uh, free speech and so forth. The left has totally become intolerant. It's just amazing how they've come 180 degrees since, let's say, the 70s or 80s. It's just unbelievable. 
Uh, Michael, uh, well, all movements do from time to time when they get uh, when they achieve a degree of power, they realize, hey, wait a second, we can throw our weight around, and we can even try to change the way people talk. Yeah. And so uh, the same is true of the right. You know, the right has done it. Uh, the, the right did it during the Red Scare of the 1950s and 60s. Absolutely. So, Michael, uh, I understand there's a big hearing coming up uh, next week. I guess it's on Tuesday uh, where the left, the uh, Democrats in Congress are going to make their case for universal health care. That's right. So the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, the one that is supposed to be overseeing programs like Medicare and Medicaid to expose the massive amounts of waste and fraud and abuse in those programs, to expose how those programs are reducing the quality of care while increasing its costs, instead of doing actual oversight, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be having a basically a pep rally to promote the left's favorite ideas for expanding those programs and expanding the government's reach into healthcare. Those will include everything from expanding Obamacare subsidies so that people making low six figures or mid six figures per year will keep getting money from the government to help them afford Obamacare's unaffordable coverage. That's one of their brilliant ideas. Uh, it'll go, the hearing will cover everything from that to Medicare for all, which would enroll not just the wealthy, but everybody in a government-run single-payer health system with no choice when it comes to who delivers your health insurance. Only the government will be doing that. And uh, that's what the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform will be doing rather than overseeing and reforming the government. That's, uh, I, I would imagine this has no legs. In other words, it's not going to get any traction. I, I would imagine it's going to get to the Senate or the, the House is going to get anything done with that. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, that's the thing. They're not even doing legislation. They're just having a a hearing to talk about the ideas uh, and they're not going to be marking up any bills. They're not going to be uh, uh, hauling any government bureaucrats before Congress to ask them why they're wasting the taxpayers money, which is what the oversight committees are supposed to do. Yeah. And so this is, this is what you get to do when you're the party in power, when the media don't hold you accountable, uh, you get to have these sort of pep rallies for your pet ideas and you get to ignore the actual damage that your ideas are doing. So if you can imagine the people making, you said the middle or high six figures, making $500,000 a year, getting a subsidy to pay for their uh, Obamacare policy, I think that speaks volumes about the number of uh, mandates that are included in the insurance policy in the Obamacare. Should, you know, it would be different if, in fact, there was a universal health care plan that was uh, bare bones, catastrophic plan, but no, I mean, this thing includes everything but the kitchen sink, and it, no, no wonder it costs so much, and the consequences are that uh, the government's doling out our money in order to help people pay for it. And remember, Obamacare's official name is the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> yeah. And yet here, here are its supporters admitting that people who make $500,000 a year need a subsidy from the government to afford the Affordable Care Act's affordable coverage. Yeah. And, and, and then they say, now give us more power so that we can make everything, all areas of health care more affordable. You know, I, I, I'm just reflecting right now. It would be so nice, and in fact, we could move into the 20th century, never mind the 21st century, when it comes to technology in healthcare. Now, we have a lot of wonderful equipment and so forth that is able to detect early signs of disease and so forth. But why are we ending up having to wait in waiting rooms for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour and a half, or whatever it might be, waiting for our doctor to see us? When we have so much technology, we could, uh, you know, uh, get on Zoom or whatever it might be in order to get uh, a conference or uh, a uh, meeting with the doctor in order to determine what next steps should be taken. Well, the simple answer to that is the system doesn't serve you, Bob, because you don't control the money. Yeah. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve patients broadly because we're not the ones who control the money. The government controls half of the money directly. It controls another 30% of the money indirectly by 
forcing people to hand that money over to their employers and let their employers spend it. So we've got a system where 83% of the money is controlled by someone other than the patient, and they just make up ways of paying doctors to create certain incentives that don't serve patients very well. We get the kind of medical care and service that those incentives encourage, and we, as the consumers, we can't change those incentives because we don't control the money. That's why you have to wait in the waiting room for so long. That's why it's sort of a pandemic before doctors would start using Zoom or email to contact people because the government set up the system such that doctors could not get paid if they were, uh, if they were doing telemedical visits, and so they didn't do them. And it's also... That's also the reason why there weren't electronic medical records to help keep track of all the things that your doctors told you so that you would ha have one place to go so you could find their instructions and recommendations so you didn't have to remember them and, uh, and carry them from one doctor to another. Uh, the reason that healthcare is so inconvenient for patients in this country is because the government has been rewarding doctors and, and hospitals for doing more stuff to us, buying the newest machines and deploying yeah. the newest procedures, but the government has not been paying them to make healthcare more convenient for us. And that's why, uh, you know, I, not too long ago, I was carrying all my films uh, from all my MRIs from one doctor to the next because they did not have a way of sharing that information. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, Michael, you've been promoting the idea of let's just cut these programs out and give a subsidy to each American so they can make their own decisions of the type of coverage they'd like to have, including insurance. That makes more and more sense to me each time I talk to you, Michael. So I just really appreciate your, your commentary here on the show. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O. Org. Mike, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You too. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. How are you? My pleasure. Thank you, uh, Seton. Hey, so tell us about Less Government. We exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government and... Nobody else, very few other people do. No, well, we just keep waving the banner. It's going to catch on sooner or later, Seton. So you wrote a great column. This is so interesting, but it, I think it's just uh, symptomatic of what's happening in the mainstream media. One hand at Politico, or as you call it, Pathetico, doesn't know what the other hand is writing. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, I, there, I've been writing, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, in September, I came out as the, uh, the only the only person right of center I was aware of on this Democrat bill, like 10 Democrat senators, to uh, impose a border carbon tax on China and Russia and, you know, these countries that are, you know, my favorite example being China is using coal-fired power plants to make solar panels to then undercut U.S. solar panel makers. Yep. Now, leaving aside my disdain for green energy because it's fake, but I want things made here, even if they're dumb. And this is undercutting domestic manufacture. And if these com- if these countries are going to make all these, you know, it, I don't want us to be the only country committing economic suicide in the name of climate change. Yeah. And these other countries make all these grand pledges and all these promises, and they never do anything. And meanwhile, we're cutting our own throats. So in an attempt to try to balance it out, at least to some degree, I, you know, in, in very Trump fashion, you know, we, we impose, Trump imposed tariffs on countries that were cheating on trade. Well, this is cheating on trade. So I, I came out for this border adjustment tax. Well... Six months went by, and about a month ago now, and I didn't notice this until now, which is why I wrote about it now, at 10 a.m. on February 22nd, I believe, uh, Politico uh, is a D.C.-biased news publication, and they have a daily newsletter called Morning Energy. And at 10 in the morning, it announced that this once Democrat-only bill had acquired a lot of bipartisan support mm-hmm. and, co- and quoted North Dakota's Republican Senator Kevin Kramer praising the idea and, uh, and other Republicans. It was now a bipartisan bill where once it was only 10 Democrats. And uh, at 9.52 a.m., a energy reporter for Politico, not Matt Choi. Matt Choi writes the newsletter. This guy's name is Joshua Siegel, and he tweeted a quote from Lindsey Graham praising the idea and said, Lindsey Graham is a GOP exception on this bill. Mm-hmm. And I went, wait a minute. You just reported that <laughs> it's bipartisan. It's got wide bipartisan support. You quoted Kevin Kramer. Now there's Lindsey Graham being quoted. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, we talk about this lack of. These guys are both in the same energy department. You know, the, the same energy reporting department. How many reporters could they possibly have? Yeah. And and they're not talking to one another. Uh, it's great. They're doing this. Yeah. And so of course, like two days later, Siegel wrote a, a, a an article about the bipartisan support for the bill, and of course doesn't mention the fact that he was wrong two days earlier on 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 his tweet about the exclusivity of uh, Lindsey Graham's support. Um, it's just I just thought it was. You know, I like to make fun of these people whenever possible. And it's just, they do this all the time. You saw um, Candace Owens was being chastised by the New York Times for saying that there were Nazis in Ukraine and and, and the uh, bio labs in Ukraine. And she responded with articles in the New York Times. Yeah. Saying, 
Well, I got part of my research from you guys. <laughs> uh, you guys reported on the Nazis in Ukraine. You guys reported on the biolabs in Ukraine. And now you're chastising me for quoting you? Yeah, she, she's somewhat of a rock star. There's no question about that. Well, see, the, 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 let's, the, the, however, I think uh, certainly acknowledge the point that you're making here. But about this carbon tax, sounds kind of interesting to me that uh, it would be a new type of tariff basically penalizing, for example, China for, for having dirty water or dirty air, I should say, and uh, having right. the only problem and, I have and, with it. And, and beyond, you know, you can, you can look at it from two halves. You can look at it from the environmental half, which is, of course, we're the cleanest country on the planet, right. basically. Um, and, and these countries are dirtier and, and smoggier and smokier and, and all these things. You can also look at it from a free market perspective, a trade perspective, which is, that if they're allow, if they're continuing to use real energy, which is cheaper and more efficient, that's an inherent subsidy advantage mm-hmm. over our industry, which we're forcing to use fake energy and and which is more expensive and less efficient. So this is exactly the same thing as you and I have talked about with regard to to like farm subsidies. The EU uh, every country that sells farm uh, commodities on the, on the global market subsidizes the crap out of their commodities, right? which undercuts our domestic farmers. Well, likewise, you can't, and, and, and by the way, this applies to everything beyond just solar panels. Right. If they're using coal and, you know, and they burn coal, China burns coal way dirtier than we do. I mean, way. Right. We are, we, we, we when we say clean coal, it's actually, a, it's not a, marketing term it's actually true that's right uh but they're burning it they're just dumping it into the into the furnace like a, a 19 an 1800s locomotive and that's just, you know that's undercutting our domestic manufacturers because that coal energy is cheap and is used to manufacture all sorts of products which are then imported into the united states and we have to compete against it with solar panel powered uh, equivalents, you know, uh, the matching products are our matching products are much more expensive, right? Because we're using fake energy to make them, and they're using real energy to make them. You know, see, so try to balance that out. The border carbon, yeah, carbon the, adjustment tax. The, the only problem I have with this is it, it acknowledges or gives some credence to the whole notion of, of climate change. And uh, oh, I know, I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, it's kind of like the camel's head in the tent, isn't it? I mean, it could it could lead to other stuff that. Uh, well, we have this. Why shouldn't we have that? You well, know. The very, well, at the very least. Again, we we we're we're against huge forces marshaled against us. Yeah. Remember, we had a lot of conservatives for years calling for a border tax. I mean, a carbon tax on domestic manufacturing. Yeah. Which is exceedingly stupid in nine million different directions. Yeah. I'm trying to head it off at the pass to the best degree I can. And how do I do that? Well. We don't we don't impose it on on our companies. We impose it on everybody else's. And I think it's a um, great idea. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable to me that, especially conservatives, we overtax, we overregulate, we overregulate specifically in the name of climate change, and then we're going to carbon tax you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. Seat Miley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the very robust website, lessgovernment.org. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that uh, Lula Bee's Diner, located in the Green Tree Shopping Center, has outdoor dining now. Beautiful patio area, and I hope you'll consider visiting Lulu Bee's Diner for breakfast or lunch. It's a, in fact, we're going to be there this morning. It's a great place to uh, to enjoy uh, not only mm-hmm. Naples, but also a breakfast or lunch. Lula Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, we have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, always my pleasure on a Thursday. You know that. Makes my day. Yeah, it is. I just enjoy having you. It's been, what, 15 years now that we've been doing this. <laughs> just about. I'm losing count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I understand big news. We have a city manager now in the city of Naples. Well, we uh, they, they, they uh, hired... Um, a gentleman yesterday from West Palm Beach. He's the uh, deputy town manager over there. And um, I met him the other night briefly when they did a little um, reception for the three candidates. And uh, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy. We'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, he'll be able to uh, stand up to to the uh, powers that be at City Hall uh, when they cross the line and uh, get into his territory if you know what i'm saying i kind of (laughs) do yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean uh uh, i think the mayor's got to learn to do her stuff and let the city manager uh, do his stuff and i think things will be uh will be fine but um what's the likely what's the likelihood of that bill (laughs) what's the likelihood of that well, Bob, I, I, you know, hope springs eternal, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So um, I'm hoping that, that it works. You know, they still have to negotiate a contract with them. Ah, okay. So the devil's, so, the devil's in the details. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll have more on that. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure next week. But um, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I'll tell you, they, they had um, the meeting. Um, well, yesterday's council meeting, they had the candidates slated to to discuss. Okay, I don't think they were there anymore. I think they they all had gone home. Uh, first, it was one o'clock. Then she said, "No, it's it's three. We had changed it to three. Then it was two o'clock. I mean, it was like thank thank goodness they weren't sitting there waiting uh, yeah. to to find out what what the council did because they didn't get out of there till pretty close to seven o'clock last night. They started at eight thirty yesterday morning. Uh. And, uh, you know, the public got a chance to meet the candidates, which was good. And um, so that 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 was a, a positive. And um, uh, they just have a lot of stuff on their plate, Bob. And I just don't know. I, I for the life of me, um, don't know how they're they ever accomplish anything. I mean, it was back and forth yesterday. It was different items. It was. You know, it was just it was just hard to watch. And I'm hoping that 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 they would do the candidates. And then I had to go out. So um, I missed that part. But uh, I I was updated to me, you know, right away. They hired the one from West Palm, which was my choice, by the way. 
Well, by the way, I, I just uh, really appreciate the fact that you're paying attention to this and giving us a report on it periodically. So appreciate the <laughs> Yeah, <comment. laughs> periodically, weekly. Yeah, periodically, <laughs> weekly, indeed. So, hey, by the, speaking of which, uh, my understanding is that uh, a former member of city council, Reg, Reg Buxton, is throwing his hat in the ring in District 2 for the Collier County Commissioner seat. I, I heard that, and I happened to see Reg the other day. Uh, he was having breakfast the same place I was. No, I'm sorry, it was a Lulubee's. I need to go there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, he said he, he's going to do it, and uh, he certainly knows his way around, Bob. He does he indeed. Said, he told me there's about, I, I think he said there's five other candidates right now I'm um, I'm aware of a few of them, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, this seat is being vacated by, and I've forgotten his name, an attorney, Andy Andy, Andy Solis. Solis, yes. So right, it's right. it's kind of wide open at this point, and uh, well, wish Reg luck with. By the way, Reg is the uh, publisher of Life in Naples magazine, and I think you, do you still write a column for them? I sure do. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, so, I've been for ever since it came out and and his prior one also yeah he uh he, he he's um i i you know what i i mean uh, reg served with me on council um he's not one to say a lot but when he does speak he he makes usually makes pretty good points so we'll see i think he's having a kickoff on don't hold don't quote me on this on him i think on april 6th mm. He's having a little kickoff, I think, in the lobby of the Hilton. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let, I'll send you a text, or I'll let you know. That's great. Well, so and Bill, the the other thing, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we watch Tucker Carlson each night, and lo and behold, who comes up on the screen but Erica Donalds? She is really. She was a guest of Tucker Carlson last night, and and the topic was that she was invited to a quote unquote soirée. Uh, at the White House, it was put on by Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. And right. uh, so basically the invitation said, you know, if you're vaccinated, uh, please come. If you're not vaccinated, please come. But uh, you can't eat anything. You can't drink anything. You have to wear a mask and you have to be socially distanced. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I said, what was it? What was it for? Uh, it was just a get together for the, I'm sorry, I didn't mention the, uh, for the uh, spouses, of the uh, of the House of Representatives and and uh, right. and Senate, so uh, she, you know, and she's she's had COVID. She got it early on, so she has uh, natural immunity. And of right. course, needless to say, made the decision not to get vaccinated. So she says it's. Yeah. She says she sent out a text that said, "Sounds like a blast." <laughs> <laughs> and so Tucker Carlson had her, had her on the show to talk about it. Oh my gosh, that that is funny. Well, no, I'm always right in the middle of of, uh, of uh, Tucker Carlson. Um, I I I miss him, but I happen to like the five. Yeah. Okay. And I love Jesse Waters' prime time. I'll get in trouble for saying that. But uh, yeah. Well, well, by the way, a little shout out for uh, Tucker Carlson today. It's on uh, Fox Nation. And okay. he has some terrific guests, and uh, uh, the one I'm looking forward to is uh, is coming up. There's uh, he's had on Vince Ellison yesterday. We watched uh, Vince Ellison, and he is just uh, he's written a book. It's 26 Lies or something like that. But anyhow, just really Tucker Carlson, I think, is the best interviewer of anyone, and I think he does a great job. But in addition to that, the content of the show is so interesting. There's no commercials, so it's really fun to watch. And, of course, it's streamed right. so you can watch it anytime you want to. I hope, right. I hope uh, Bill and our listeners will tune in and uh, check it out. I might have to give that, a, give that a try, Bob. All right, Bill. Well, listen, I just genuinely appreciate what you're doing for the community, Bill. And uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, uh, I like being on the show, and uh, I like you. So I'll uh, speak to you next week. Look forward to it. I like you too, Bill. Thank you so much. Uh, we just want to remind you that uh, today uh, that uh, uh, Bernadette LaPaglia at Hodges Funeral Homes putting on this uh, Older and Wiser Continuing Education Series. It's happening today at the, uh, let's see, the site. It's uh, at the Naples Green Village. Uh, you can go to NaplesGreenVillage.com to find out more. It's at 2.30. It's a, it's a, a great uh, program put on uh, for on how to uh, plan for yourself or your loved ones for pre-need arrangements 
uh, we plan on our future so many ways, medical, car insurance, and so forth. So anyhow, it should be a really interesting program. And Bernadette Lapali is just a great friend, so uh, want to support her as well. That's happening today at the Naples Green Village. You get more information at naplesgreenvillage.com. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we've got great guests, including William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, uh, Dr. Josh Umber uh, with the uh, Atlas MD, T- Timothy Head, who is the uh, uh, director of uh, the Faith, and uh, I've got it right here, the uh, f- head of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and we'll also visit with uh, Larry Bell and Dodd Professor at the University of Houston. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.